We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the VM NFL show. I'm hosting today your boy, Tim. Yay, yay! As you notice, no one is here to yell at me for saying yay, yay, so that means Joe is out. His, uh, what do you call him? Not, not brother-in-law? Like, what would it be? Like, his girlfriend-in-law? Well, like, oh, his girlfriend's brother, right? Yeah, girlfriend's his brother, girlfriend's, girlfriend's brother. His lady's brother is expecting, so he Actually in labor right now. Yeah, so shout out to uh, my guy, Donnie. Fan of the show. Fan of the show. Donnie, congratulations. And also, uh, boss is out. He's just sick. If you, if you heard the VM baseball preview Monday, you could tell it was coming, and then it just hit him like a ton of bricks. So it's here. I'm here with it's me, Nick, and the man himself, Ampy. What's poppin', guys? Uh, happy Thursday. We almost made it to the weekend uh, at baseball opening day today. I'm and the Mets ex- won, baby! Mets are money on opening day, man. I don't know what it is. I, the Mets historically are just, they roll on opening day. I don't know what it is, but I'm not going to complain. So, yeah, anyway, super excited about baseball. Uh, obviously, super excited about football, but it's opening day for baseball. So, excited about that. The best opening day record of any team in any sport ever. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. It's kind of they, they, they've it. won like 75% of their games on opening day, which is fucking incredible. I actually had it on today, man. I had it on. I had a... Uh, How you know it's real? Yeah. Yo, you know why? Because, um, like I've said, the one thing with me in baseball is whenever the Mets are good, I tend to follow it more. That's how baseball is for me. When the Mets are good, I follow it more. When the Mets, like, when eight of the nine uh, starters end up going to the DL and shit, and, like, there's guys that I don't know from AAA and the minor leagues up, I'm like, all right, bedtime, on to next year. So yeah. for as long as the Mets are good, Tim, I might hop on one of these episodes with you and Boss one day later down the line. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what's going on. All, I went from having the worst fandom of all time to all of a sudden the Mets are looking good, the Jets are looking good, and the Knicks got two, two free agent contracts that could go to, to some big-time guys. 
And all of a sudden, my team's looking up. I'm feeling it. You know what else is looking up? Uh, this show, you can catch us at Veterans Minimum on all social media outlets. Also, if you would like to support the show, please visit us at patreon.com slash Veterans Minimum for just a small fee per month. We give you a ton, a ton, a ton of extras. Seriously, like a ton. If you are even in the second tier, you get like six extra things. Or no, five extra things. The first tier is like two extra things. And then the third tier is even is even more bonkers than that. So please go to patreon.com and support us so we can continue growing. Also, we have a partnership with Thrive Fantasy. Thrive Fantasy right now is doing fantasy baseball, but they're going to be doing daily fantasy football props. You build a team of props. It's pretty fucking dope. Um, right now, you can sign up for Thrive. You can download the app. It's called Thrive, T-H-R-I-V-E, Fantasy. And the promo code VM, they will match your deposit up to $10 when you sign up. So please, please go do that. You can find us as well at Trop, at The Lamb Show, and at MP718. You already know on all social media outlets. And with that, you guys ready? Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, let's get it going. We're going to start with a news update. Uh, the first news update we got here is uh, coaches calling out some corners. Uh, both coaches uh, for the Redskins and the Vikings say that Xavier Rhodes and Josh Norman need to step up their game after down years last year. These guys last year, I mean, the year before last, were considered at the top of their game in terms of cornerbacks in the league. Uh, what do you guys think about their coaches coming out and calling them out? I mean, I'll just quickly touch on Josh Norman. I think it's a contract thing. No, correct me if I'm wrong, Nick and Tim, but it's about it, it all comes down to the amount of money that you're getting paid. If you're getting paid as a top tier cornerback, you have to guard the best wide receivers in the game and you have to produce. And, and you know, obviously that's not the case. And so, you know, like I said, it comes down to the price tag. If these guys were making half of what they are, you know, I'm sure this wouldn't be the case, but these guys are getting paid a pretty penny. There's, some of them are getting paid, you know, comparable to a quarterback. Uh, so, you know, put up or shut up. That's my opinion. Yeah, Nick, you know, the you Redskins gave Norman uh, the biggest contract for a cornerback in NFL history a couple years ago. I think it was like five for 75, five for 80. Um, yeah. A lot guaranteed. Remember uh, a David Gettleman uh, maneuver where they franchised him. Your boy. My boy, yeah. Um, they franchised him, and then they just took the franchise off of him for no reason. Uh, he didn't say that he wasn't willing to play for it. They just kind of wanted to cut ties. And he signs with the Redskins. And, you know, he's coming off a really – I mean, according to PFF, you know, he had one of his worst seasons last year. And he got benched last year against the Saints too. So, you know, and the Redskins' defense was one of the lone bright spots for that team as things started to unwind and fall apart for them. But, yeah, it's definitely – it's a contract thing, man. I'm pretty sure Xavier Rhodes got paid last year too. So it's like, yeah. yo, if I'm – Dishing out all this money to you, I want you to play at the price that we're p- p- paying you. Yeah, especially when both guys have such a history of being shut down corners. I remember two years two years ago we were talking about Xavier Rose possibly being the best corner in the league, and now we're looking at him like I ah, just kind of like average. He had a really average year. So did that Vikings defense. You could say that his play decreased at kind of the same percentage that the overall play of the Vikings defense incre- decreased. So it's 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 an interesting thing to think about. Is it be, did Xavier Rhodes struggle because of the team, or did the team struggle because of Xavier Rhodes? Either way, he's got to step his game up. Um, I think I think uh, one thing before we move on from corners, man, it goes back to what I've always been telling you guys. I, I if you know if, if I had it in front of me, I feel like every season since we've started Veterans Minimum, we've all picked a different corner that's the best corner in the league, mm-hmm. and that's just how that position is. It's a very taxing position on your body. You're out there by yourself. Uh, no calls go in your favor. 
the drop off from you being an elite corner to even a good corner is significant, right? Like, look at what we're saying. Josh Norman, uh, Xavier Rhodes, they had if they weren't, if you were to just look at their numbers and not attach a name, you'd be like, oh, those are they had pretty good years last year. But then you look, it's like, yo, Josh Norman and what he's making, Xavier Rhodes and what he's making. That's when you start to criticize them. So year by year, man, the the corner position, it just rotates. Like Marcus Peters, for me, two years ago, was the number one corner in the league. And this year he was toast. You know what I'm saying? So it's just, it's just a position where things change rapidly. So when you do find a guy like Darrell Revis, who's a good corner, great corner for like 10 years, that's a rare commodity that you have in the league. I think and, that's and- what made him so special. Exactly. And, and just one last thing, um, and just think about how the league is kind of progressing. It's like every single – I mean, I don't have the stats in front of me, but if I had to guess, I feel like the league, we're, we're shifting to a more, more of, uh, you know, a more passing league every single season. I bet you the percentage, I bet you the percentage of passes is going up year over year. So it's, it, 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 it couldn't be more important than now. So it's just – it's really interesting. And, and, yeah, it comes down to the price tag. Only one team last season ran the ball over 50% of their plays, and that was the Seattle Seahawks. Oh, wow. Every single other team threw the ball more than they ran it, which is a, definitely a complete change-up from this time 10 years ago. I thought mm-hmm. the Baltimore Ravens would have been on that list, too. You'd think so, right? Yeah. They weren't. Well, probably towards yeah, the second half weren't. of the season. Yeah, they remember with Joe Flacco, they kept throwing for some reason. Yeah. Um, speaking about uh, teams that are on the come-up, the Raiders – there's a couple of pieces of moves about the Raiders. The Raiders re-up with the city of Oakland for one last season. There was a dispute there because the Raiders were actually the, – the city of Oakland was actually suing the Raiders for leaving and taking away the commerce that they bring. So the city of Oakland agrees to another year with the Raiders, but they made that rent go up. The exact numbers aren't available, but the rent skyrocketed. Now uh, Mark Davis says he won't – and yeah, that's the owner, by the way, won't raise the ticket prices. What do you guys think about Mark Davis kind of sticking it to the city of Oakland and staying with the people? Uh, if I'm not mistaken, it's a piece of shit stadium to begin with. Yep. So uh, for him to uh, <laughs> raise the prices, it wouldn't be that cool. The team's not going to win. Uh, so you combine a shitty team with a shitty stadium, you know, raising the and, and the fact that they're leaving. Yeah, that too. Like I was going to say, like he's like, already bouncing. It's like it's a recipe for disaster. It's like it's the, it's, it's the three-headed monster. Team sucks, uh, stadium sucks, and they're leaving. So, uh, I, you know, I, I understand him not raising the prices because no one would show up. Yeah, I mean, MP pretty much hit the nail on the head there. There's, there's not much more to say to that. Um, yeah, it's one of those things where it's like, yo, look, ultimately we're taking the team from you fans, so let me not raise the prices. And here, this is a, a proper send-off, I guess you could say, for the city of Oakland, which might lose the Warriors too, by the way. Yeah, but they, they want to lose the Warriors to Alamada, I think, and I stayed on Alamada. It's just it's just like it's just a, an island right in the middle of San Francisco and Oakland. So they're not going too far, but they're, def- they're taking them out of the city of Oakland. But they're still kind of in that, like, like the try. It's like it's like moving someone from New York to New Jersey. Gotcha. Let me ask you guys a question: If you were, if you were a Raiders fan, you team, this is the last year. Let's let's really hone in and let's be super fans and let's try and go to every game. Or are you team? Fuck the Raiders. They're moving. They can suck my dick. Man, I don't know. I I so I. My uh, my dad was a Brooklyn Dodger fan growing up, and he 
you know, he not sour about it. They went to the LA. Um, he's kind of, he was kind of in the middle and, and, you know, I, all of my sports fandom comes from my pops. So I think I'd be somewhere in the middle. I don't think I would be too sour or pissed off, but I wouldn't, you know, I don't think I'd spend all of my money there either. So I th- personally, I think I'd be somewhere in the middle. If you're an Oakland Raiders fan, are you an LA, uh, I mean, a Las Vegas Raiders fan this time next year? I mean, there's a couple other teams out there. You could become a Niner fan. I don't, they I don't hate I, each other, though. That's like a Met fan then moving to become a Yankee fan. Yeah. That's like your dad becoming a, a Yankee fan instead of a Dodger fan. But so here's the thing, though. With all due respect, if if I, you know, if I'm a Mets fan, right? Hear me out on this. If I'm a Mets fan and they and they up and leave to go to, you know, a, another city, no one can criticize me for becoming a Yankee fan. I agree. I agree. So I so I wouldn't necessarily criticize an Oakland Raider fan. You know, you know, becoming a San Francisco 49er fan. It's it's hard, man. I can't even imagine wearing pinstripes, bro. I think, you know, honestly, the way the way uh sports have changed over the last couple of years, right? I know uh, a lot of my customers that are older, you know, for you know, just to get a little sidetracked a little bit, Christian Polisic, who everyone knows on the show because I mention him all the time, the young American star for the US men's national team, he's going to Chelsea in the summer. Chelsea is one of the biggest rivals to Arsenal, which is my favorite soccer team in the world. But I've told people, a lot of the older heads guys, that, yo, wherever Pulisic goes, I goes. And he goes, all those all those older heads say, that's like the millennial mindset. You guys are in the fantasy era where you don't really have allegiances to teams anymore. It's more so players, right? Like, what's the reason if that we have league pass? It's cause we can watch, so we can watch the Trailblazers and Nuggets. Yeah, but it's like you fuck with Jokic, I fuck with Dame Dollar, you know what I'm saying? And it's it's you're fans of these guys. So if my teams, I think I've established in my head, if one of my teams leave my city, I'm not going to root for them elsewhere, but I'll root for players. I'll I'll start rooting for players. So like I'll stop being a Giants fan and I'll root for like Andrew Luck to win a Super Bowl. Uh, I I see that. You know what I'm saying? I like that. I like that. My boy Elias is a Vikings fan because he was just a Randy Moss fan. Mm-hmm. I know. I know some people who are like that. Um, some free agent moves for the Raiders. Uh, some interesting ones. Uh, Brandon Marshall, the linebacker, former Bronco. Uh, he signs there, and also Isaiah Crowell, the former running back for the Jets, that obviously was expendable after they got Le'Veon Bell. They both signed there. Uh, what do you think about the Raiders continuing to add pieces? Nick, I see you laughing. What are you, what are you thinking about this? <laughs> no, it's Crowell, bro. It's Crowell. Crowell. That's Crowell. It's Crowell. I, I heard on all the things Crowell last year. That's what I heard the announcer say. I thought it was Crowell, too, until he started playing for my team, and then I heard, heard them say Crowell. Fair enough. Fair enough. I mean, yo, he's probably going to be the starting running back in Oakland, right? They got uh, Marshawn Lynch there, I believe. Oh, no. Uh, Lynch and Doug Martin, who were the starters last year. Motherfuckers forgot who Martin was, though, Imp. Uh, they're both free agents. So he's probably, at the moment, he's number one on the depth chart. So, look, he's 26 years old. He's not the worst. He's not the best. He's like, he's Andy Dalton of running backs. <laughs> I like that. That's a good That's a good comparison. So it, it is what it is. It's, you know, he's cheap, right, to, uh, uh, worth up to $2.5 million. Uh, I think it's like 1.8 against the cap. And then he has incentives and whatnot. So, you know what, good for him. Good for him. Yeah. He's 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 shown flashes that like if you have a solid offensive line, he can. He, what I think he rushed for two hundred yards 
last Tim, correct me if I'm wrong. Like he yeah, put up a like monster, right? Like two twenty. He had that one. He had that one huge run of like seventy four yards, something like that. And look, I'm not crowning the guy, but at the end of the day, you, I don't think you could be a bum and rush for over two hundred yards in a football game against professionals. So he's a he's he's solid. He's the Andy Dalton of running backs. Exactly. He's like a solid seventy six on Madden. Oh, for sure. That would, that would be his rating. Good break tackle. Um, yeah. Good break yeah. tackle. Not so much. Not with so much speed or breakaway. Probably like, has solid vision. <laughs> and they got they got Jalen Rashard there too to catch some passes. So that that could be a little dynamic duo uh in the backfield there. What do you guys think about Brandon Marshall, that signing? He formerly uh an all pro, but he has slowed down the past couple years. Red zone guy. I mean, everybody needs a red zone guy. I mean, Grant That's the receiver. I'll think of the linebacker. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was waiting for that. It's all right. Tim does it all the time, so it's fine. All the time. Uh Nick, take this away, man. No, nah, yo, like he's he, <laughs> it's crazy to uh, it's crazy to to think how how many of those guys that were on Denver, Denver, you know, yeah. when they won that Super Bowl, have like up up and left, right? Talib's not there no more. T.J. Ward is out the league. Malik Jackson is now on Philly. Shady, a big ass pickup for the Philadelphia Eagles, especially when you look at some of those offensive lines that they got to play in the NFC East, right? They've all either taken a step back or have just stayed trash, right? Dallas's offensive line is not as dominant anymore. Malik Jackson was really good for the Jacksonville Jaguars. It's just that they wanted to get rid of that cap hit. You know, they signed them after they won the Super Bowl. And, yo, Danny Trevathan now with the Bears and Brandon Marshall were the the beasts in the middle. They cleaned up tackling machines. He has slowed down a bit, but I don't know what to make of it. Like, he stays in division, so it's a division that he knows really well. He's going from one team to another in division. But it's cool. It's, it's one of those, like, secondary – uh, signings in free agency that you're getting a really good player and you're getting them pretty cheap too, you know? Yeah, they hit, they hit the bargain basement. I'll tell you this much. I'd rather have Brandon Marshall at $4 million against the cap than Alec Ogletree for twelve. Or Or uh, how much did Quan Alexander get paid? 15. 15, yeah. Yeah, sign me up for Brandon Marshall at that cap hit every yep. day of the week. Yeah, I'd yeah. rather have the wide receiver Brandon Marshall at linebacker for $1.5 million than <laughs> give Quan Alexander all that money. You know what's funny, man? It's it's never a bad idea to have a Super Bowl champion on your team either, especially when you got a guy that is, you know, there there could be some volatile people in that locker room. Like Antonio Brown is not known to be the best teammate. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Derek Carr could be really intense. Um there's a lot of strong personalities out there, so it'll be nice to have like a, a veteran who's been there and won a ring. Yeah, for sure. Um, some fantasy stuff, also you know just regular stuff, but this one is, is intriguing for fantasy. Uh, John Lynch not only says Jarek McKinnon will be a 49er next season, but he will play and he will be part of the team. Uh, I'm 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 just a little confused because they gave Tevin Coleman 10 10 mil over 2 if I'm not mistaken and yep. that's his guy from Atlanta back in the day and they also have Breida um Mostert Yep and so you know a lot of mouths to feed so I mean is this a situation where they can cut him in the preseason or cut him right before the season starts and it's no harm no foul or is there is I I don't know if this is a situation where if he's on the roster after April first, it's guaranteed. I don't know the details, so I can't really speak. But I just know that there's a lot of mouth defeats if 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 they are all kind of going to be in that backfield. Uh, anytime there's more than um, one talented running back in the backfield, I tend to stay away from that backfield when it comes to fantasy purposes. 
as far as this goes, I don't know, man. I uh, I seem to be by myself, but I really like Matt Breida's game. Um, I like it a lot. I think he's more than serviceable. He's a good running back for what he's being paid also. I would just ride out with him and maybe cut your, your ties with uh, Jarek McKinnon. But if they if they they probably want to be validated by paying him that money because they did get some heat. I know for me, uh, he was like the third most expensive running back in the NFL last year. So they probably want to be validated by that signing in that contract. So NBA, just just so you know that that contract was very front loaded for the first year. So if they cut McKinnon, they wouldn't really lose much. To me, what what I think this is showing is that Matt Breida proved two things last year, right? Just like Nick said. He proved that he was a good running back. Not only a, a serviceable running back, but a really, really talented running back. I think there's another thing that he proved, though, is that he's just too small to last in the league uh, for 16 games and be your primary runner. And usually what you see is a guy like Isaiah Crowell joining a guy like uh, Jalen Rashard, and you got a thunder and lightning kind of thing. Here you got four dudes who basically are the same guy. Matt Breida, Jarek McKinnon, too. Tevin Coleman, and and... Even Mostert, who probably will get to be the fourth guy on that, or, or basically the same dude. So what it's really showing me is that this is probably going to be a case where all three of those guys are going to get some playing time. When one of them gets hurt, the next guy will come up. They'll all play. I want to stay away from this in fantasy, but in terms of reality, I think this is a good move to kind of cement the fact that no matter what, you're going to have a dual-purpose running back in that backfield at all times. And it also, it also speaks to how highly I think the 49er organization uh, thinks of, of Jarek McKinnon because, like you said, it was front-loaded. They could have cut him, and they didn't. Um, and they obviously hold him in high regard if they paid him all that money. So I, I'm kind of convinced that, th- that they're, they're hell-bent on kind of him producing for them. So we'll see. I forgot they signed Coleman. Yeah, two, yeah. two years, 10 mil. Yeah. And he had his best years with, with Shanahan, not even close. Well, and and Tim, just to kind of push back a bit, I think Tevin Coleman's a little bit more of of, a, of more than just a speed guy, though, right? I think he's kind of a little bit of a between the tackles guy, no? But all these guys could do it. Like Breida could do it, McKinnon can do it, he could do it, and I think that's that's why this sign, this keeping of McKinnon makes sense because you got three guys that are basically the same dude in different bodies. Like they all do the same thing. So. And they're all injury prone. McKinnon has been injured throughout his entire career, just coming off an ACL. Uh, Matt Breida left the game like three separate times last year, missed a couple of games. Um, Tevin Coleman has had his injury seasons in the uh, his injury woes in the past, and also he is a guy that is not known to be the main ball carrier ever in his entire career. So not only are you um, ensuring that backfield, but you're ensuring it twice. Well, when Tevin Coleman was was supposed to be the the, the bell cow back when um, a Freeman got hurt, it, it, he had like one or two good games. I know I I rostered him in fantasy every week, uh, and you know he kind of didn't you know perform to everybody's expectations. So uh, it does make sense that he'll kind of share the wealth with others. Yeah, for sure. Um, speaking of sharing the wealth, Jared Cook says he's sticking with the Saints despite interest from New oh. England. Now he still hasn't signed on the dotted line. Um, is this the right move for Jared Cook? Would you stay with the Saints or with Gronk retiring, which we're going to get to in a little bit, are you taking and just tr- hoping that you feast on that vacated slot that Gronk once had? Well, uh, I mean, he's going to play with a hell of a quarterback in New Orleans, too. Um, indoors. 
indoors, yeah, fast track and whatnot. Um, look, uh, I don't know. I, I think I, I'd be surprised if New England doesn't draft one of these tight ends in in the draft. Right? This is a really good tight end class from a pass catching perspective. Where last year's tight ends, for the most part, were really good run blockers. And w- one underrated thing about Gronk, which we'll get to in a little bit, is his blocking too. So like. I don't know how much these rookies are going to come in and impact the blocking right away. That is one of the harder things for the rookie tight end to have to transition to, especially with a lot of them being like that hybrid tight end that splits out wide. Uh, it's cool, man. Like th- th- the Saints need a tight end. Ben Watson retired too, and Ben Watson was kind of like stone legs out there for the most part. And you know they they experimented with like that dude Arnold. I think his name was. Correct me if I'm wrong, right, Tim? Wasn't it like Arnold or Dan Arnold? Yeah, Dan Arnold. And then you had like Josh Hill. Those guys are like one of them would catch a touchdown once every eight weeks. Uh, But yeah, like they need a tight end down there. And with how that offense is, a tight end really could feast. You're looking at like a 60 catch kind of guy with Jared Cook over there coming off his uh, career year too in Oakland. If I was Jared Cook, I'd just go watch tape of Jimmy Graham and Drew Brees. And I'd just be like, yo, I want to do exactly what they did. It's a little, it's a little, yes, for sure, but also. Like, I would no want to recreate that success. But no one's done that since. Yeah, for sure. And and I'm just saying, like, I, I'm looking at the upside. Like like Nick said, either way, you're getting the ball thrown to you by a Hall of Famer. Anyway, you slice it. But I just think there's a little bit more upside on the Saints. Um, and, and it's more just because of the fact that you're going to be playing in a dome. You did, like, fast track, like Nick said. Um and he kind of hasn't had a, a stud tight end since Jimmy Graham. So, you know, I'd be I'd be really excited to go to the Saints. I'd be excited either way, but I think I'd be a little bit more excited to go to the Saints. Um, next up on the docket, Robert Quinn is traded to the the um, Cowboys, excuse me, from the Dolphins in exchange for a 2020 second round pick. Um, he signs a new one year deal for nine point two million dollars, taking a little bit of a pay cut for eleven point eight million dollars. Um what do you think of the move, especially with Randy Gregory? Randy Gregory is suspended, and um, Demarcus Lawrence he is franchised, but he's demanding twenty-two million dollars a year. Um, <laughs> so, what, what do you guys think about the move for Robert Quinn? <laughs> Tim, Tim, it's a sixth-round pick. What did I say? Second. Oh, sixth-round pick. My bad. Yeah, that, that's, that's a big. That's a big. Yeah, that's a big peanuts. difference. My bad, peoples. Yeah, listen. By all means, get your money and. If someone was willing to pay me $22.5 million, I would take it. Get your money, young man. You're a fucking moron if you pay anyone other than a quarterback $20 million plus million. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm not doing it. I cannot pay a guy who could be neutralized, yo. Dude, Joey Bosa, Melvin Ingram did not even sniff Tom Brady in that playoff game. There's ways you can neutralize pass rushes. There's ways you can neutralize corners. You just throw away from them, right? You guys were Jets fans. No one threw at at the Jets when they had Revis, but you guys didn't win any championships, right? There's ways that you could just work around it. I'm not. I'm not doing it. I agree Six with Nick. Six for one twenty, they offered, and he said no. I I agree with Nick, and I don't know if I've mentioned this to you guys before. I don't know if I've mentioned this on air before, but name me a situation where an elite wide receiver or running back that was getting paid big bucks won a Super Bowl. It hasn't in recent memory. Not I, not in a long time. In the, in the past, maybe. I I I can't think of one. And so, Nick yo, off the top, more. off the top, right now, the last like thirteen hundred yard wide receiver that won a Super Bowl is like what Reggie Wayne. 
Marvin, uh, yeah, or like, uh, or uh, like Marvin Harrison in two, what was that two thousand five? No, it was like yeah, two thousand six. Do you count Demarius Thomas as elite? Yeah, at the time, I, yeah, at the right, time but he was. But was like, he, but was he elite? Was he elite because he had Peyton Manning throwing him the ball, or was he elite because he was elite? Nah, I he think he was. Big bucks. I think he sure. was elite because like he was productive with Tebow too. Like yeah. him and Decker were were like. Look, they weren't. They were putting up eight, nine hundred yards with Tebow, which was impressive considering how Tebow threw. Um, yeah, so I would say the minor leagues now. I would say, but you know, here's the thing, guys. I think T. Uh, I think Demarius Thomas, when they won the Super Bowl, he wasn't elite. Like Peyton Manning wasn't elite at the time where he was like, like Peyton Manning when they won the Super Bowl against the Panthers. He was super wise. Dude, Brock Osweiler took his job. They benched him. He threw more picks than he did touchdowns that year. So, I don't know. I would have to... And, and like, Demarius Thomas was never a top five wide receiver. He's, like, 10 to 15-ish. But, look, the Rams made the World I mean, the World Series. The Rams made the Super Bowl this year, and they're paying almost $20 million to their defensive tackle. So, I mean, it's... But that's because they don't have to pay their quarterback. Yeah. Dak's I mean, the, the Cowboys haven't year. paid their guy either yet. Right, but Dak's up to get paid next year. Yeah. So that that's probably why they're holding off on it. Did they? I didn't. I didn't know he he turned down a six for one twenty deal. Yeah, because he wants twenty two and a half, and they're and they're giving him twenty. So you guys, you think he holds out this summer? <sighs> Man, um, dude, like you, I have a feeling people are not going to hold out as much anymore going forward. If they're if they're going to be offered the 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 franchise. I think they're going to take it. When you look at Le'Veon Bell, like, he ended up losing out on $14 million in the end of the day, guys. Like, I don't care how much money you have. That's still $14 million that you would have had if you would just would have played. played. So, I don't know. He might. He'll probably end up holding out. Maybe he skips camp and shows up week one. Yeah, something like that. All right. Uh, speaking of $20 million a year, the Falcons are closing in on an extension with Julio Jones. $20 million a year. What do you guys think? That's Nick's boy. Um, thou shall never ever slander one Julio Jones. Um, look, he is thirty. It seems like they're paying top dollar for quarterback and wide receiver, and that's kind of the reason why their team has fallen apart the last couple of years. Um, the Falcons are in a weird spot right now. I think if they hit home runs in the draft, they could be an eleven and five team, and if they strike out, they might be five and eleven. So I don't know if you want to uh, give him twenty million dollars per year, but. There's not much else that you're paying top dollar for, right? So, I don't know. It's weird, man. It's weird. Like, he is a top five talent. I still think he's, like, a top three wide receiver in the league. It's just that he has some injury concerns, too, man, at this point of his career also. The, the problem is, if, you know, like Nick said, he's the lead. If the Falcons don't give Julio Jones $20 million a year, someone else will. And that's kind of the situation that they're in. $20 million a year for... For a wide receiver is a lot. I mean, That's he is one of the best wide receivers in the game, but a $20 million over a four-year extension for a 30-year-old receiver, and when your team needs a lot, a lot of holes plugged, and you know how I feel about Matt Ryan. You guys don't feel the same way, but where you have a quarterback that's not exactly elite, so it, it's a tough position. I, th- I think the Atlanta... Atlanta's looking like the Atlanta Hawks more like more than the Atlanta Falcons at this point. They're kind of just like aiming for the middle. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I'm uh, on the I'm on the Hawks, man. I'm a big Hawks guy right now. So 
Uh, Hawks are, are tanking and doing all the right things. Tim, the Hawks have five, count them, five picks in this year's NBA draft in the next 42. In the first 42 picks of the NBA draft, the Hawks have five of those. Okay. Two right. in the top five, potentially. Some people to help Trey Young out, who's been balling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, saying, I'm, I'm a big Hawks guy right now. Um, someone who's going to have a lot of time to sit down and watch the Hawks. Uh, two guys retired that are <laughs> dear and dear to our hearts. Jordy Nelson is the first guy I want to talk about. Had a great career uh, with Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers. Uh, kind of fell off because of injuries, but before he got injured last year, I'm, I'm sorry, two years ago, he had six touchdowns in five weeks and was on pace to be the first-round fantasy pick that people were um, people were expecting. Gets hurt, can't bounce back the next year with Aaron Rodgers out, and then last year kind of fades away with the Raiders, even though he did have a strong last few weeks. Um, Jordy Nelson, we will miss you dearly. Our white receivers, man, they're a dying breed, and one just died. <laughs> Especially white outside receivers that are in the slot is very rare. Yeah, that I mean, the classic Rogers rollout to Jordy Nelson post will live on forever. Um, I feel like that play was unguardable. Jordy Nelson run, ran great routes. That's the kind of one thing that, in my opinion, he'll kind of go down, you know, go down in history as just a really, really great route runner. Um, and yeah, the ACL injury was that, well, the ACL injury was a few years ago, right? That was the main, the first. The was that was was it? Uh, 2015, if I'm not mistaken. No, yeah, I think the ACL injury was a little bit, a little bit while, a little while before that. And then once the ACL thing happened, it's you know, it's it, you know, it kind of changed the game. Is he a Hall of Famer? 550 catches, uh, 7,848 yards, 69 touchdowns, and a Super Bowl ring. Well, um, also, after missing 15, he bounced back with a almost 1,300 yards and 14 touchdown season. It's 97 that, catches. Yeah, it's that second year after in 2017 where he got hurt midway through the season that really, like, derailed the whole thing. So he, he bounced back after that injury, too. And he's 33, so he bounced back from an ACL injury at 30 years old. That's kind of crazy. That's that's pretty – that's Hall of Fame type shit. I don't know if he's a Hall of Famer, though. So, and I have – oh, sorry, Nick, real quick. From 2011 to 2015, this was kind of his money his money stretch. From 2011 to 2015, 6,000 receiving yards and 57 touchdowns in pretty much what, four seasons. Yeah. Okay, so I have a lot of pushback to do. Uh, it was 2015 that he tore his ACL. 2012, 49 catches for 70, 745 yards. That was the year that Aaron Rodgers broke his collarbone, and then they played that playing game. Uh, last game of the regular season when Rodgers came back, and I believe it was the Bears that they won. So he had no quarterback for a good stretch of games there, and he missed time also. Um, you say down year, Tim, in 2017, that was the Brett Hundley year where it seemed like he was throwing 27 targets to uh, Devontae Adams every week, and Jordy Nelson completely fizzled out. And that was the year, Tim, that you were referring to before where it was like he had, what, five touchdowns in the first three weeks or six? six. Yeah, and then Rodgers went down. Right. Rogers goes down against Anthony Barr and the Minnesota Vikings. So that's why I think it's super impressive, dude. 2013, 1300 yards, 2014, 1500 yards. ACL comes back 97, 12, 1214 touchdowns, dude. Like you kind of have to expect that 2015 when he was firing on all cylinders. That's probably a 90 catch, 1400 yard double digit touchdown year too, fellas. Because that was Rodgers at his absolute apex. And that was Jordy at the top of his game, too. 
I think his biggest accomplishment, man, is tearing your ACL, coming back, and putting up 97, 1,214. That's super impressive. At age 30, man, you can't you can't get that. And, and if you and if you didn't already know that he was the man for Aaron Rodgers, dude has 408 first downs in his career. That means that at least three first downs per game were being converted by Jordy Nelson. And he had 71 first downs in that 2014 season before he got hurt. That's a ridiculous number. That's a lot of that's a lot of first downs. That shows you where Aaron Rodgers is looking when he needs to look for those first downs. You know, you know how I'll explain Jordy Nelson to people? He was you had to watch football to show respect to him, right? Like when you would have conversations with people like, yo, who are the top receivers in the game, right? When you mentioned Jordy Nelson, that's when you were like, or someone mentioned Jordy Nelson, that's when people would say, yo, you know what? This guy knows his shit because he he was so productive with Rodgers, and he was the go-to guy, right? Like the best quarterback in the league, this was his number one target. So it was, it was one of those guys where, like, he was he was never going to be your best wide receiver. Like, you were never going to put him in that. To, like, he was never your number one pick as the best wide receiver. But it was one of those things where, like, y'all, yeah, he's – He's borderline top five, definitely top ten when he was at the prime of his career. Um, I have it here. Give me one second, guys. Sorry. So really quickly, just talk about how uh, a, a change of uh, – just uh, an overall change for the Packers. Mike McCarthy's gone. Randall Cobb's gone. Clay Matthews gone. Jordy Nelson retires. How's Aaron Rodgers feel? <laughs> Put up that Shawshank Redemption quote on Instagram. He's like, I just miss my friend. Yeah. <laughs> well, he got, he got Devontae. Uh, Aaron Jones, I think, is going to be a, a breakout star this year. I'm expecting a, a big year from Aaron Jones. Uh, they they got some weapons defensively to maybe get the team uh, some extra possessions. So I, I think the Packers are going to be all right, man. And look, let's not forget, like, this is a guy who two of his biggest highlight plays went to a dude who's not even in the league right now. That uh, was that white guy on um, on the Packers that caught that Hail Mary against the Cardinals. Oh, man. He was like all all NBA, uh, all NBA, all NFL, like preseason. Dude was a star, but I'm gonna try to pull up his name. Uh, but yeah, it's like yo, he 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 does it with a bunch of nobodies too. You know what I'm saying? Like he made that guy a household name. I mean, I I I forgot his name, but you know what I'm saying? Oh, there he is, um, Jeff Janis, (laughs) right? In a playoff game, Jeff Janis seven for one forty five and two touchdowns. Like, I say, he'll be all right. Rogers will be all right. Um, speaking of quarterbacks who will be all right, Tom Brady, um, he loses his number one target. It's crazy because uh, a guy from NFL.com, Chris Wessling, he wrote an article about how Tom Brady's – Tom Brady basically is the best quarterback of all time when Rob Gronkowski's on the field, and when he's not on the field, he's kind of Andy Dalton in terms of his his production. So it's a wonder if the retirement of Rob, Rob Gronkowski at age 29 – uh, is going to affect him. First of all, Gronk, nine seasons, 7,861 yards, 79 TDs. He averaged, um, he averaged, I'm sorry, over three first downs per game, the same way that Jordy Nelson did. Um, if you look over his career and you do his touchdowns per game, it's point six nine in the most Rob Gronkowski way ever. Um, is Rob Gronkowski the best tight end of all time? I I don't know the answer to that question. Nick, what do you think? Yo, man. Um, 
I feel like we're super sliding Tony G. Or Antonio Gates. Mm-mm. So, like, yo, Tony Gonzalez, clear-cut number one, I think, in all statistical categories as far as, like, tight ends go. Um, also, the longevity, dude. His last year with the Falcons, 83 catches, 859 yards, and eight touchdowns. And that was a year in which he came back because he thought the Falcons had a really good chance at the Super Bowl. Remember, the year before was that Kaepernick year yeah. when the Ka- uh, Kaepernick and the Niners went to the Super Bowl, and it was that no-call pass interference play against Roddy White in the end zone. That, like, I mean, that's, that's one of the worst no-calls of all time because that literally changed uh, two franchises in a way. You know what I'm saying? So... Uh, 111 touchdowns, I believe. I want to say he's like third. He's top five all time. Uh, I, I I think longevity has to play into your greatness, yo. Like one of the reasons why you are a great player is because you played for so long and you played at a high level. So Ooh. I'm gonna go with Tony G, but impactful years is definitely Gronk. Like, I was yo, say, that, would you rather have that short burst of being the most dominant player at your position of all time, or would you rather have the longevity of being, uh, you know, basically the greatest receiver? Because people don't give enough credit to Rob Gronkowski, who was a terrific run blocker, a, f- a fantastic run blocker. If you if you look at all the big time, like not all of them, but you know most of the big time runs that the Patriots have had in their Super Bowls, Rob Gronkowski is leading the way. I think you guys are I think you guys are sleeping on Antonio Gates. But that's a topic I guess that's a topic for another day. Uh I really quickly something on Gronk for me is his agent was on TV the other day or it was on the radio and he said that if Tom Brady called Rob Gronkowski during the season and asked him to kind of come out of retirement to go on a playoff run, he'd do it. So like after hearing that, I kind of just like don't know what to make of all of this because Rob is like such a, a, a he's like a big flair for the dramatics guy, and so like I wouldn't be surprised if like a Patriot gets injured in like week twelve or week fourteen or something like that, and then it's like oh here comes Gronk for the playoff run or something like that. So uh, I don't know. I just wanted to throw that out there because I heard that Antonio Antonio Gates. Um, he he has the most touchdowns all time for a tight end. So you have that working for you, Imp. Uh, longevity, They, him and Tony Gonzalez pretty much played the same amount of years. Um, the thing is, is like Antonio Gates really was like his best year. He had 1,100 yards twice, right? Those are the only times he went over 1,000 yards. He was just such a consistent, like you want to talk about third down conversions, red zone threats. That's where like Gates really flourished. Um, yeah, I mean, look. I would go Tony G, Gronk, Antonio Gates, though. Because I think Gronk's Gronk's impact for that team, like, yo, when he played 16, 15 games, he had 1,000 yards. <laughs> the years that he didn't have was when he didn't play those games. And even so, he would have double-digit touchdowns. So I say, I say Gronk is number, number two. two. I would yeah. have to go with Tony G. I'm going to go number one, man. I just think that his even though he was, didn't last – the domination that he had within the years that he played and play, what he and, did for his his team and the, and the fact that he could block and the playoff success on top of that. Yeah, Tony Gonzalez for a long time was known as the dude who couldn't win a playoff game yeah. um, with his team. So, I And I am old enough to, to have seen Tony Gonzalez play with the Chiefs in his prime, and I remember it, and it was hard to stop, and him and Priest Holmes were a dynamic duo, but... I just think that we've never seen the likes of Rob Gronkowski before. Like a person that's that big 
shouldn't be able to move like he does. And he turned that into a remarkable career. So uh, kudos to you, Gronk. I hope you, Gronk, spike your way down Bourbon Street getting drunk as fuck every day like we know uh, you will. Um, Breaking news, fellas. We weren't supposed to do this, but hey, when when news happens, news happens. Jordan Howard traded to the Philadelphia Eagles for a sixth pick in 2020 that can become a fifth pick. Um, It's uh, conditional. So what do you think about the pickup of Jordan Howard to the Eagles? I mean, the Eagles just got a a bell cow running back. Um, I like it. They don't really have anyone in that backfield that has really grabbed the reins of being the bell cow back. Remember, they traded for Jay Ajay, who I don't know how much longer he has in the league, man, because he is, uh, you know, like there was rumors that upon the reason why he slipped in the draft was because there's no cartilage in between his knees. So everything Jay Ajay has done is super impressive in the league. And last year he tore his ACL. Um, I like it. I like it, man. The Eagles, the Eagles have made some moves that I don't, I feel like a lot of people are not talking about, right? Like Deshaun Jackson went back there. Malik Jackson, I mentioned. Um, they get a couple guys back too. Jordan Howard, I think it, it could be good. It could definitely be good. I trust Matt Nagy, man. So whatever he, whatever he says goes. Right? Like, I don't know. I, I just kind of believe in him. I guess he wants to feature Tree Cohen a little bit more. Is that what's going on to him? And, uh, and they, they also signed the um, one of the running backs from uh, Seattle. I think it was uh, Davis that they signed. Yeah. So, yeah, and Davis was getting, like, 20 carries a couple of games with, when the Seahawks were, like, short with guys. So, yeah, it seems like they're going to maybe feature Cohen more, but I still expect, like, 15 to 18 touches for, for Mike Davis in Chicago. Yeah, I, just, I see this as definitely for in, in terms of the Bears, I see it as a shift more towards the kind of West Coast, make the short pass your running game kind of game. I think that already we've, and when you have a quarterback that likes to scramble um, like Mitch does, you have that option of turning a pass play into a run play. And I don't really think their offense has room for a bruiser in between the tackles. Like Jordan Howard, Mike Davis maybe fits a little better. Although Jordan Howard is, uh, I, I just don't, man, it's it's hard for me to see a situation where their running game gets better by getting rid of Jordan Howard. But the Eagles, fantastic move. They needed a bell cow, just like Nick said. They were in talks with Jay Ajay, but look, my father-in-law, my future father-in-law, he's getting double knee surgery. He got no cartilage in between his knees. And when he walks, he's in, he's in pain. And he can't do the things that he used to do. I mean, for granted, he's 55, but when you have no cartilage in between your knees and it's just bone on bone, you're literally in pain every single time you take a step. So the fact that J.H.I. has been one of the better running backs in the league when he plays on those knees is kind of ridiculous, but that plus an ACL tear, you can't you can't bank on that, and Jordan Howard is basically J.H.I. So they did a great job of replacing that, getting a bell cow back for a fifth-round pick. That's They're not going to miss it. Uh, sixth round pick if he doesn't work out definitely not going to miss that so all in all i think a really good move for the eagles uh, nick's right the eagles are shady having one of the better off seasons of the, of, of the year sure. anything else you guys want to get to before we get into these rule changes Nah. all right well the commissioner is back at it again and there's two rule changes that are implemented now the one that everyone's talking about will save for last because you know that's how we do got to keep your ears Locked in, you know what I'm saying? But before that, I just want to remind you to follow us on all social media outlets at Veterans Minimum. Also, follow the guys at Tim Patrop, at The Lamb Show, and at MP718. You already know. Uh, don't put you already know, though. 
that's that's just that's just the saying. Um, also, you could uh, support the show at patreon.com slash veterans minimum. Hey, look, give us give us some money, man. Give us some money. I promise we use it for great things. And like camera, like camera equipment, camera equipment, audio equipment. Uh, the fact that we're doing this over online right now is because we bought brand new shiny audio equipment and Nick got a, a nice thing to record us with. And it's all good. And it's all because of your money. So we thank the patrons that are already supporting the show. We thank uh, all of you that have done that. And uh, please sign up to give us some more money because we use it well and we use it to bring it to you. And don't forget, uh, Thrive is a new fantasy partnership that we have uh, together with um, for the upcoming football season and for the baseball season and for the basketball season, anything you need. It's based on props. Nick knows all about those props. He's the prop master. And, um, yeah, so go there. Sign up. Thrive Fantasy is the app and put in the promo code VM and they will match your deposit up to $10. That is $10 free. That is a free play tonight in any NBA thing. And who knows? Maybe you can win $100 off of it. Maybe you can win $1,000 off of it. Who knows? Free money. Don't ever say no to free money, people. Um, But with that being said, let's go over to the NFL rule changes. No more blonde, blonde side. No more blind side blocks that has been taken away. A blind side block is obviously when you hit someone from the blind side, which means the side they're not looking from. This is one of the biggest uh, um, highlight reel type of plays, like all the biggest hits in the NFL. A a lot of them, if you see like a highlight show, is a guy coming out of nowhere from the blind side and taking someone out. I know for me, there was a kid in my high school that got taken out by a blindside hit and never could play again. A lot of injuries happen for the blindside. I'm all for this. Yeah. If to block someone, you should be able to to square them up. Um, Impy, what you thinking? I so I have a take on this. And Nick, you played, you know, organized football at the collegiate level with pads. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't say the same for myself. So look, the blindside hit. You know, it's 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 kind of been like a staple of the game, right? Like Tim said, it's it's those highlight tackles. I don't know how I feel about eliminating it completely. What I would suggest doing maybe is if you want to hit from the blind side, you can't use your pads. You can only use your hands. Like what about something like that? Like what if you were to kind of kind of adjust the rule? So 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 if you were to block from the blind side, you know, maybe it the 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 block won't be as forceful if you can only using your hands and your it's like a pushing motion mm. you know rather than using your shoulder blade and kind of just leveling this guy all at once just a suggestion i i, I don't really know all right so they they teach you not to use your hands because that's how your hands break right like imagine going to level someone at the speed that you're talking about him too these guys are freight trains yeah. um you go to do a forearm shiver, your hands could snap, your you could break a wrist, your fingers. So they teach you to go pad on pad. Hands break, pads don't, was what uh, a lot of coaches used to say. Um, as far as the blindside block, look, everything that they're doing, all these rule changes, you guys need to remember. Even if you're a football purist and you like that smash-mouth football, they're doing this for the safety of the players. I cannot hate them for that when you're looking for the safety of the players. But the big fan of me... It does take away one of the more exciting, oh, shit, plays of the game, right? A guy gets popped, and then they show the replay 27 times. So it is what it is, man. Ultimately, what they're doing is they're just trying to protect the players. And look, it is kind of a dirtbag hit, too. You hit someone when they're not looking, right? How many fights you see on, like, Instagram and shit where it's, like, all those, like, street brawls, and a guy gets sucker punched, and it's like, yeah, he got knocked out because he didn't see it coming. 
Like, I got punched in the face one time when I didn't expect to get punched in the face, and it dropped me. It's like, oh, shit, it got stunned. Like, it happens. So it is what it is, man. It's for the safety of the players. Yeah, you can't really argue about the safety of the players. I also think it's not that hard to square up someone if you're going to block them. Like, I think that although it is one of those, oh, type plays, it's also it's kind of a cheap play. It's kind of it's kind of a cheap. Oh, it's like um, it's like a baseball player throwing at a dude's head instead of at a dude's ass. You know what I mean? It's kind of like that. Like you could easily make this happen in a more like in a less impactful way in one that's not as dangerous if you just square up and. And if you don't do that, you're kind of going for the cheap thrill. So I don't have a problem with this at all. I think no blindside blocks. And plus, all these rules in favor of offenses, it's, it's nice to see one in favor of a defense. Maybe this maybe this takes away some, you know, paths. Maybe this takes away some uh, some yak. Maybe the defenses can make some make make something out of this. That's a good point, Tim. For sure. Um. Now let's get to the 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 good stuff. The second rule that everyone is talking about: passer. Pass interference is now a challengeable call, whether it is a no call or a call. You could challenge pass interference just like anything else. Um, I have a strong opinion about this, so I'm going to wait till last. Uh, Nick, what's your take on this pass interference rule? I mean, I've only been asking for this for like years now. I'm all for it. It's the biggest call in a game is often the pass interference. Um, it should be a challengeable offense. Uh, and I like that they're doing it within the last two minutes of the game. Is it an overreaction to what happened to the Saints? 1,000%. Yeah. Also, the rule changes with the catch rule were an overreaction to the Des Bryant play. It happens. When a big play like that costs a team a chance at a championship, it's going to be a talking point, right? And especially when you have a coach like Sean Payton who's super outspoken. He stay woke, Tim. And he's he's a guy that's respected in the league, so they're gonna listen to it. And look, there's there's been a lot of momentum still that has not died out. You talk to Saints fans, that shit does not die out. Michael Thomas on Twitter, any chance he gets, takes shots at the NFL and the refs. So it was bound to happen. I'm all for it. I like it. I like that it's gonna be only under two minutes, um, because that's that's really when when it matters the most, too, man. Yeah, I. The, the one thing that I just want to point out is how overwhelmingly lopsided the voting was from the GMs. It was the owners and the coaches, I think, were the two people, were the two pools of um, two groups that had the opportunity to vote. And it was an overwhelming, like, I think it was like was it 32 teams in the NFL. I think it was like 31 to one. And that's the so, owner's vote, yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, not only are the fans kind of, you know, yelling for this, but, you know, the owners as well, obviously. So, uh, overwhelmingly, you know, you know, uh, definitely a good sign. And and one thing for me is just like I know it's only under two minutes, right? That's the that's the rule. What if it was just like under two minutes or over like fifty yards, like because it's, these are game changing plays. And and you know, I wouldn't. I, I hate the fact that now we're limiting it to only under two minutes. Like why? Like look, if it's a fifteen yard pass, that's a different story. But if this is like a, a really, really deep play down the field, you know, I should be able to challenge that as well. So that's something that's a wrinkle maybe that they could potentially throw in or, or maybe not, but that's just my two cents. Uh, so they get challenged at any time. It's just that it's no challenge. It, it's a, it's a, re- it's a booth review after two minutes. Oh, okay. Got oh, it. Okay. I thought you can only challenge it, only challenge the pass interference call within two minutes. 
they will be initiated by a coach's challenge until the final two minutes of a half. Yes, that you could. So it's a challengeable rule, just like every it, single awesome. other rule. Awesome. Yeah. Look, does this need to happen? Sure, but I think this is a band aid on a really big cut that the NFL has had for a long time. One thing that, if you've been listening to me on VM, I I complain about the refereeing in the NFL. Um, probably every single NFL episode that we do. Um, it's been atrocious. It's been, you have to, instead of reviewing pass interference, why not get some full-time refs on the staff? Why not have some guys that have this as their job the entire year and have some health insurance, make them full-time? Why are you still employing part-time refs? Why is the most famous ref also a teacher like why is that the case why does that have to be the case you're the nfl you make billions of dollars and if you have refs that are professional refs that you're paying uh an amount of money that is reasonable to they will be good at their jobs and they will be able to call pass interference better but i just i worry about the shit storm that this could that this could start first of all on hail marys right there's pass interference on every single hail mary play what are we supposed to just completely take away every hail mary play at the end of the half number two what about the other calls? What about if they want to start challenging helmet to helmet? What or if they holding. want to start or holding? holding? What if they want to start challenging holding? What if they want to start challenging illegal motion or illegal shift or 12 men on the field? It, it never ends. So I think that this could be something great or it could be Pandora's box. It could be something that is just remarkably bad and starts a system of downfalls and there's two ways to fix it if you really want to fix it. And it doesn't go with fixing it from the back end. It's fixing it from the front end. Pay the refs, number one. And number two, you got to have a guy on the sh- on every single game, on every single call in New York or wherever they got to be that is ready to tell you what the fuck is going on right away. If I can watch CBS and see that there's a catch right away, and I know there's a catch or I know there's a P.I., and I know two minutes before the refs know, that's a problem. Yeah. Because I could see it instantly. Why can't they? They need to have someone who is completely not involved in the game because no one wants to overturn their own call. I'm sure there's some kind of metric to, to measure that because there's metrics to measure everything, right? They need to have a non-biased party looking at that shit all the time, looking at every single replay and going over it. If you want to fix the problem, you got to fix it from the root. Not You can't just trim the leaves. And... I think this is definitely and putting actually, a Band-Aid on a broken leg. I, well I really said. do. I like that. Uh, well, here's the thing. Um, the way you limit what you can challenge is you do what they're doing. You're still going to have only two challenges per game. Well, per half. So it's like you can challenge, but do you want to challenge that holding call that converts a first down? What if – and it's like the first drive of the game – you know, pushing back on what you said, Tim, about like this opens up Pandora's box. I feel you on that, but I also think they're not giving you ten challenges. They're like, no, nah, look, you're still gonna have two challenges a game, and if you get both right, you're rewarded a third. I think they're gonna keep that, and yo, do it at your whatever you think is an important call. You make the decision then. So that's how I think they limit it. I I don't know why you can't challenge any penalty now that I now that I, now that now that we're talking about this like. Like, how many times do we see an offense make a huge play down the field late in the game, and then it gets called back by holding? Like, and and then they'll kind of go to the tape, and it's like, oh, that was never holding to begin with. Like, why should you not be able? Why can't you challenge that? 
like or 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 a missed face mask or 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 anything like that like i or you know maybe they called a, a roughing the passer right and that kind of a limit or 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 i i can't even think of all the scenarios now like like There's so many that well, I don't know why you can't challenge anything. Like you should now that I think about it, if you're going to be able to challenge pass interference, you should literally be able to challenge anything. This is what I mean. You got guys like Impy. Impy's the, the, Impy, you're not the only one that thinks this way. This is a dangerous way to think. I I'm not opposed to it though. I'm not. Let's get it right. I don't care. I don't care. And look, <laughs> if we're not going to pay them full time, we might as well get it right. <laughs> uh, they need they need someone looking at that stuff because it's ridiculous. But yeah. I mean, Impy, you kind of just did it yourself um right now what we're going to do is we're each going to present you one hypothetical rule that we would love to see implemented um let's start with impy so i so now so i have two i guess the first one is 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 this like what i just mentioned you should be able to charge challenge any type of penalty it doesn't matter what it is if it's a huge part of the game and it's gonna you know affect the outcome of the game you should be able to challenge it if you have a challenge only if you're going to be able to challenge pass interference, and that's clearly what we can do now. And for me, the second thing, let's wipe away the whole overtime structure and let's go to college overtime. Let's just let's get rid of you know all of the kickoffs. So let's just go straight college overtime style. I love college overtime. Um, I think what you start on the 25 and you just go back and forth. Yeah, you go back. What is it, five yards or ten yards? Every time they score. Yep. Give me college football overtime rules. Gross. That's what I want to see. Gross. That's, Impy, that's not football, bro. That's that's penalty kicks. Who's that's trying to I see want. penalty kicks out here? Not I me. Want uh, that's what I want to see. Nick, Nick what's what you your hype? What's your hypothetical rule, brother? Um, if you really want to protect the players and you're worried about player safety, uh, you need to eliminate chop blocks. That I think is one of the worst. Like. There's a way you could do it where it's clean, but just the act of it is still dirty. You're you're fucking nose diving into someone's kneecap. That's not cool. Like that's not cool at all. Especially yeah. when it's clipping when it's done the other way. But why is an offensive lineman allowed to just nose dive right into a defensive tackle or defensive end's knees? Like that's not cool. Don't do that. Um it's it's one of the more uglier looking plays that they do and they allow in the NFL. Like it's totally clean. They let you, especially if it's in the tackle box. And that's where most of the BS happens, like in the tackle box. So people get rolled up on and whatnot, and it's like, just eliminate that. I would, I would completely wipe that out. You're not allowed to dive into someone's knees. Hell, you don't. You're not allowed to do that at the quarterback now. Why not protect the offensive lineman too? Dude, I, I, I could not agree with you more on that, man. That yo, what? How? How? If you watch every NFL run. I guarantee you're going to find at least one offensive lineman on the ground, and it's not he's not going to be on his back. He's going to be on his belly because he just kind of dives forward. And the dude's 325 pounds, so you got to get around him, and you got or you got to jump over him, and it's a really effective block. And it sucks because a lot of injuries happen that way. Um, my hypothetical rule: I'm going to go completely off the reservation here, guys. I would get rid of every illegal formation call. You want one guy in the line of scrimmage? Fine. You want to line up with three offensive linemen and six wide receivers on the left side? Go ahead. You want your quarterback to hike the ball from the hash and everyone else on the other side? Go ahead. As the game evolves, I would love to see the rules evolve so that the minds can kind of expand on what has been seen already and take away those illegal, uh, illegal, illegal motions, illegal formations. Let everyone do whatever they can on the line before the snap. 
let the let the let the minds of the football minds run wild, and let's see a brand new everything. Tim, Tim, the XFL is ready for you, man. <laughs> the XFL. No, I don't know if those rules are allowed in the XFL, but I think that would dramatically change the way football is played. If you, I, I, I don't even know. I mean, that's super cool. I'm down, but I think it would dramatically change the way the game is played. Yo, not for nothing. That now that you mentioned the XFL, yo, Vince McMahon, if you're listening, listen to me, bro. Look what's going on with the AF. AAF. They're gonna fold if the if the NFL Players Association doesn't step in and help. They're going to fold. No one wants to see second-rate players play football unless they're in college. Mm-hmm. Become the college farm system. Become the college farm system. Take these kids away from college. Tell them you'll pay them. You have the money. Make it happen. We need a billionaire behind it to make it happen. Vince McMahon is the perfect person. He's already starting this venture. Go be a complete heads-up competition to college football. Go out and offer Trevor Lawrence $2 million a year. Go get him. Go out and, and offer Jake Fromm $2 million a year. Offer Tua. To, go get these guys. And state your claim. Force college to either play these kids, pay these kids, or be the next college football. It's up to you, Vince McMahon. That's my, that's my rant. Um, one last thing before we go on and we uh, move on with our lives and, <laughs> and are done with the show. Um, the NFL schedules are going to be released, but they did release the opening day schedule, and that is going to not involve the defending champion Patriots, who have been playing in that game for a long time. Instead, it's going to be an NFC North battle, the 199th meeting of the Packers versus the Bears. Uh, what do you guys think about the, um, you know, the change of pace? It's usually the defending Super Bowl champion or the, or the Super Bowl loser. What do you think about the change of pace? I think it's uh, it might be Patriots fatigue. I believe that they've you know it's pretty much them opening up this season for the most part over the better half of fifteen plus years, um, and you put in one of the more marquee matchups on the entire NFL slate of possibilities. Um, I do think that's a tough ask for the Packers. That's a tough matchup. I wouldn't want Rodgers going up against that defense right away especially being in Chicago, I believe the game is. So, yeah, man, it's uh, back-to-back years. These two teams open up only this time that they're playing in Chicago. So it is what it is. I mean, I'm not really uh, – I'm I'm so, like, hell-bent on the NBA right now where, like, the schedule is the last thing on my mind. Uh, I'm really looking forward to the draft also. That's usually when, like, the whole schedule comes out, and that's where I really like to dive into things. But for the most part, you have an idea of who your team is playing. You just don't know when they're playing them. Can you imagine the fear of being Aaron Rodgers and having to look across the field at the elite safety that makes one that makes three point five million dollars a year and haha Clinton Dix? No one ever said he was elite. It's just <laughs> calling him a bus was kind of ridiculous. Well, you know. I, I he, think that I think if they go this route, you'll actually get more division games. Correct me if I'm wrong, because if you're throwing in the Super Bowl champion or or, or right the Super Bowl champion into the game every every year. Yeah, or or the loser. Some years they did. I think. I I don't know. I just I I like this because I I, I mean, the first time they're doing it, it's a division. It's a division game, so those tend to be a little bit closer. Um, so I I'm all for it. I just want to see. I just want to see good matchups, good competition. I just don't want to see any blowouts. Yeah, I hear that. You know, uh, opening day Thursday, September third or September second. I don't know the exact date, but the first Thursday in September is going to be the opening day. I would say I can't wait, but uh, I would have to skip all the warm weather in order to get there, so I can wait. 
for Boca Wait. In the meantime, we'll be talking about it here on the VM NFL show. We'll also be talking about it everywhere across VM. Remember, we have completely revamped our system. We have the MLB show, the NFL show, the NBA show with these two guys right here that are joining me, MP and Nick. We yep. got uh, the MMA show. We have the weekly show that is kind of just like more of evergreen content. You can kind of uh, it's more like top 10 lists, some funny stuff. And we have all that content coming for you. Also, Instagram is where we're putting all of our video content these days at Veterans Minimum on Instagram. You can also check us out on YouTube for all the old videos, youtube.com slash Veterans Minimum. You could also uh, check us out on patreon.com slash Veterans Minimum. Talking about those fun episodes, we have some really, really fun episodes on the Patreon, which is a perk. For only $5 a month, you get two extra episodes a month. Yeah, that's right. I said it. It's not. It's real. That's right. That's the best value we've seen all NFL offseason. Um, on top of that, we have a partnership with Thrive Fantasy. So if you go on Thrive Fantasy, which, again, is a um, – what do you call those again, Nick? Props. Prop site. There you go. Uh, which is a prop site. It's kind of like Daily Fantasy except for props. The promo code is VM. With that being said, MP, where can they find you? I M P Y seven one eight. You already know Twitter and Instagram. Nick, at the Lamb Show, Twitter, Instagram, and on Twitch. Uh, Degeneration bets this week. We came back. I got to interview my guy Danny, who I do DFS Fridays with. He got to go to a live final in uh, California for FanDuel, one of the top seventy six players in NBA DFS. So we got to talk about that, and we gave people the NBA. DFS manual. A lot of people have been asking for that, so check that out. And also, we have a new pledge. I want to give him a shout out. Uh, Tommy North, not to be confused with the iconic Peter, Peter North. North. <laughs> uh, thank you, sir, for your pledge and welcome aboard the VM gang gang. Gang, gang, gang. Uh, you can find me at Timberchop on all social media outlets, but only if you're feeling real, real, real frisky. Um, Brodo this week, the Brodo Fantasy Football Podcast. Um, we got a big fish in the fantasy game. Scott Fish joins us. Uh, he's one of the better fantasy analysts out there. Uh, also, at Veterans Minimum, don't forget to follow jo at Joe Sanagato and at NDeVito27, the other two guys that are usually on the mics with us. Am I forgetting anything, guys? Nope. Next time you hear us, you'll probably hear Joe, and you'll probably hear him complaining about me saying this. Yay, yay! We'll see you next time. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, the trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.